All right. Hey there, everyone. Uh, it's me, Hunt, back with another fun episode of Tabletop Recap. Finally, <laughs> we got a uh, big boy Chungus here. Say hey, fella. Hey, fella. I knew you'd do that. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I called it, and I was correct. So yeah, we're back with another Tabletop Recap. I know it has been quite a while. Quite a while. Uh, we just haven't been able to meet as much. We had a session, but we were so tired afterwards that we didn't record. And then we had another session, but it was at a comic book store, so we didn't record. And then you guys had a session where I wasn't there, so we didn't record. <laughs> we would have, but I just don't have the know-how to set all that stuff up. And nobody else does either. <laughs> it's alright, yeah. If you guys ever want to do an episode without me, I'm fine with it. Just email it to me and I'll post it. Totally fine. But, yeah. this. Uh, so we have three sessions for our Waterdeep Dragon Heist game to go over. I think we're just going to make it three episodes. That sound fine? Sounds perfect to me. That way we're not cramming in an hour and a half long podcast. That'll be hard to follow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I don't even know what happened in the third one. I intentionally had them not tell me so I could react to it <laughs> on, on the podcast. I thought that would be fun, like when they did that Beast of Lake Shang one that I wasn't there for. But, yeah, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Since it's been a while, I think we should go over who the characters are again. So, uh, do you want to do your character first, or... Well, I am the only player here, so... <laughs> well, I mean, I can I explain... Might as, I might as well. Do you, do you want to go ahead and explain your character first, and let me tell everyone else's, or do, my, do them first, and then you? Yeah, quick recap of my character. I play Mera, daughter of Stefber, the half-human lizard folk. Uh, the half-human doesn't affect the stats any. You just use regular lizard folk stats. The half-human half is mostly just for uh, role-playing purposes. Uh, but yeah, human dad raised her in Waterdeep. She's a courier. She's a male lady. And she wants to be an adventurer, because that's what her dad was. Uh, and she's a fighter. She fights. She fights. She fights. She bites. She fights. Fight, fight, fight. Bite, bite, bite. The itchy and scratchy show. Comedy. Uh, then we've got... <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? I want you to laugh. Just kidding. It wasn't funny, so it's fine that you didn't laugh. <laughs> uh, then you, we have Vorn, the drow rogue, because nobody's ever done that combination before. Very original. <laughs> I um, know you're listening to this. He's played by Matthew. Cool guy. Uh, yes. Matt is a... He, he does a very good job of role-playing him. He is a uh, thief who is all about making money any way possible. But he protects his own and he respects his group, unlike a lot of people who play Drow. Uh, yes. Rogues. <laughs> Just rogues in general, yeah. He doesn't do anything that'll compromise the group with the law. He's not an edgelord. He's not an edgelord. His backstory, literally, is just that he didn't jive well with the Drow society in the Underdark, so he left to go be his own, go be his own man. Yeah, instead of being kicked out like Drizzik was. <laughs> One day we'll finish that. Well, at least, well, I say at least, your your character wasn't didn't even have the common courtesy with Drizzik to be kicked out in the Forgotten Realms. He got kicked out in actual hell. <laughs> yeah, good times. Normally when someone gets uh, banished to hell, they just get a bullet in the back of the head. But no, um, they just took him there. Uh, well, looking what are you talking about? Looking yeah. at our <laughs> other elf character, the uh, female uh, high elf Vane, who is a bard uh, of glamour. Uh, she 
is a noble of Waterdeep. She belongs to a family who... They're toilet salesmen. They got their fortune by making magically enchanted um, chamber pots. And they do all kinds of stuff. Some, everything from being simple as you know heated seats to having um, the, the bag of holding enchantment where whatever you... don't have you, to clean it. Yeah. You just, you just take your little, yeah. your little dumps and it's gone. You don't have to clean it. don't have to dump it. it. It's just, it's gone. You just have to be aware that you have a wormhole sitting in your, your chamber area. That's like a good idea though, right? That's like an actual good... Like, we'll get to that in our, our third session that we have to go over. It's um, almost weird that I haven't heard that before in like Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure someone's done it. Like, but... Like, that's a really good idea. It's the same enchantment, just on a toilet instead of a bag. That's great. That's a great idea. Um, so, yeah, she is very bubbly. She is, uh, she was a bit of an alcoholic when the group first found her, but she has really come into her own at the surprise of everybody, where she is basically running the business. Doesn't always super know how to interact with the common folk. <laughs> no, yeah, she, she still is very, she's, she's trying to get out of that lady in the high tower demeanor. But I know your she, friend and coworker was murdered because of us, but uh, here's a flyer for our business. <laughs> um, very, very fun. Um, and then finally, we have T32RY, aka Terry, our warforged barbarian. Um, he is just uh, a big baby. Uh, not that he's cowardly in any ways, but just that. Naive. Yeah, he's very naive. Uh, everyone will, people will come up to him and like, oh, you're just a construct. You don't know anything. And he says, correct. I've only been born like three days ago. I don't mean this in like an insulting or demeaning way or anything, but I feel like, I feel like Vorn is the only one in the group that's not like autistic. <laughs> mm, you're kind of right. No, not in a demeaning way. He, he uses probably the most common sense. And a lot of our players, we're, we're not talking about the players, we're talking about the characters that they play. Because, like, Mara is very loud and in people's faces. Obnoxious. Sometimes doesn't know when she shouldn't say something. and Or do something. <laughs> and then Vane is <laughs> up in here like, oh, yeah, we don't have a rat problem, we have a cat problem. You know, because of all the rats. <laughs> I told that joke. Some people outside of our group, and they thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. That's the best thing I've ever seen happen in a session to this day. <laughs> and then Terry was like literally a few days old, like he's a couple weeks old or something. Like yeah, so. like he's got all these these data banks worth of stored data in his memory, but he just has no way of using it in a legitimate way. He's like, I know things. I don't know how to use it, but I know things. Yeah. G always has such interesting character ideas. But yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the four players, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, which I'm sure you all know about. Uh, but yeah, so I, we played this forever ago. But you're the one with all the notes, so you're gonna so, the, the DM for these is usually the one that kind of leads the podcast. But I'm, so I'm gonna hand these reins off to you. Buckaroo. I'll I'll try and summarize the previous session that we did do a podcast on, just to kind of roll smoothly into it. Uh, basically, the party was still getting acclimated with their new business, which they decided to name Spirit Squared. Uh, had a big opening night, hired a bunch of new employees to run it, a bunch of little cute halfling teenagers. Uh, everything was going good. Um, party was buying decorations and furniture, um, but started to, to hit some 
some negative encounters when the party realized that they had a rat infestation and that there was all kinds of damage to their establishment from these rats. And upon further investigation that the rats didn't just wander in and start building nests, someone had lured them in and made accessible holes in various walls so that they would be easier for them to cause damage. And after investigating, the party learned that the, their new halfling hires were not what they seemed to be. But in fact, after numerous cheese puns, uh, it was found out that they were in fact halfling were-rats who worked for a gang known as the Shard Shunners. And I do want to just remind everyone that G called it, like, sessions before. He was like, are these people were-rats? Because they're making, they, they, they like cheese and stuff. They're making rat puns. And we were all like, you're an idiot. You need to pay attention. No one said anything about were-rats. And then they were all were-rats. And we were the idiots. We were the <laughs> fools. And he is a king. <laughs> Absolutely, he's a king. I'm, I can't believe I actually convinced you guys that they weren't were-rats. I can't I believe you kept a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but so, the, uh, the were-rats uh, are confronted. Uh, Mira was unfortunately bit by one person's and did not succeed on the constitution check to repel the lycanthropy. She had a bad day. Mm, very bad day. The guy she went on one date with was eaten. <laughs> um, and then she becomes a were-rat instantly, and her business starts to go under, like, Christ. And uh, rather than fighting, when confronted, the, uh, the were-rat halflings proceed to book it and you guys did make cheese it cheese it you guys did catch all but one of the were-rats the leader whose name was Kelso and you proceed to call guards and make a formal police report on everything that's going on um, that leads us into the first session since our previous episode um, to start with, it is the following day after Mira contracted her lycanthropy. It was determined that she only had one day before the full moon and she would have no control over herself. And so, I rolled bad on that as well. <laughs> yeah, you rolled poorly on that as well. I actually think you rolled to determine that and it was just bad for me. Um, I don't remember. It was, once again, this was a while ago, so we're going to try our best here. So, much like many of the sessions up until this point, the... At the start of the session, everyone pretty much has their own business that they're going to deal with in their own way. And yours was, uh, you decided to go to uh, what it was essentially the Universal Temple of the Gods in Waterdeep. Um, Basically a Unitarian church. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean... I think that's what Unitarian is. Kind the way I, I, the way I described that. it was that there are all these statues and facades. So pretty much all of the positive or acceptable gods in the Forgotten Realms... In Waterdeep, you know they don't worship gods of necromancy or murder or anything like that because those are obviously why would you want to worship those guys? But god of the sun, god of magic, god of luck, agriculture. god of kissable misters. There is actually uh, I don't know his full <laughs> name, but there is a god like that. Anyways, stop. <laughs> so Mira and her father show up at this temple and. Uh, they, uh, they, they talk to all the right people and they say, oh, you're suffering from this disease. You must have had a run-in with this gang of shard shunners. I actually had a luck roll going in. And this like paladin walks up to me and he's like, oh, hello, uh, lizard. And I was like, wow, racist, be gone. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of just roleplay checks with the dice later... And it turns out that uh, this was the only guy in the entire temple who knew how to remove the lycanthropy curse. Which I kind of 
had a feeling about <laughs> because I had a good luck roll and then ran into him immediately. And I was like, yeah, that's him. But also, he called me Lizard. He didn't even ask my name. So, so absolutely. No, and, I'm going to uh, try to find someone else. That was, I think it was a byproduct of just me having poor roleplay for that session. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at roleplaying in general. In fact, if, if there's ever a long-winded roleplay <laughs> moment, I will let the players roleplay and then simply explain how the characters they're interacting with act or respond to their suggestions. But you never seen a lizard with breasts? Oh, you know what? He probably hadn't never seen a lizard. <laughs> well, considering that lizard folk in the actual setting don't have mammary glands, yeah, probably. There's no big shockers. mommy milkers there. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's not just a, a secret place where you keep your snacks. <laughs> oh, jeez. But so... They get, they get everything set up. They have to take you into the basement where there's a, an anti... Or not an anti, a curse removal ritual already set up. It just requires the materials and the people needed for it. And um, yeah, there was there was a whole bunch of checks I had you do to see how well and how quickly you got rid of the curse. And you did just well enough that it was not a positive experience, but you didn't suffer any permanent damage or alterations to your character's physical look. I had like all these ideas where uh, you'd have like a streak of gray hair running through your your red locks or you would permanently get some buck teeth as a lizard person but you uh, you never failed any of those roles to the point where you would have warranted any of those um and you even hugged the racist paladin for his service in curing you of this ailment i remember i actually rolled a nat one uh during it and you were gonna have me transform right i think you there, and i used a fate point Fix it. Yes, you did. Which That's is kind of our homebrew inspiration that existed before inspiration. Kami and Karen were using it in a previous uh, edition. And then it, then inspiration happened and they were like, it's not that different. We'll just keep using ours. And then when we came in the fifth edition, we used theirs. So that's what we used. Just quick recap. I'm just surprised that you remember to use it because every time our party gets fate points, they always forget they have them. Yeah, I, I, I am surprised too. Um, so let me see. The... Um so that pretty much spent your whole morning as Mira, and then Vane and Terry uh, finished up the Lord's Alliance mission uh, with Jalister Silvermane, and uh, went to Trench, who is the private eye investigator. And remember, we did also say we weren't going to join their organization. It's all coming back to me. That's right. Quick. Yeah, I, I'm just reading directly from my notes, which were very simple. Um, so if Please feel free to fill in the gaps if I make any. Yeah, we um, didn't join that organization. We were just like, we're in a lot of organizations, and this one really put a bad taste in our mouth. So it's probably best if we just bounce. Plus, we got our own business to run, and also, I'm trying to smash all the time in, the, in this campaign. Specifically with one person. Yeah, Mary's got a crush, and that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Jalister had no qualms with that. He he already went into giving you guys this mission with the pretense that this is just kind of a trial. Yeah. If you like it, you can join. Uh, if not, no hard feelings. We'll see you later. Be in touch. Um, and uh, they finished the mission with the Dung Sweepers and uh, gave that information that they didn't want to be a point. Uh, they didn't want to join the group. And then went to Trench, the private eye, uh, to hire him about some of Terry's background. Um, Terry, um, yeah, Terry basically learns that his 
creator and his family uh, suffered a rather tragic fate about two or three years prior to his creation. And so he wanted to learn more about it. And uh, who better to... Excuse me. Um, was it the last session? Did we learn about that in the last session? It, it, we learned bits and pieces over the course of the last three sessions. Because basically his creator's family was killed. Yeah, his, his, his creator's family was murdered. Um, and he wanted to learn more about it. So he goes to the private eye. And the private eye actually did work on that a case re- regarding his creator and his family um, because the creator wanted to learn more information about this person who basically ruined his life. Is this the part where Terry was like, am I a weapon? And we were like, dude, axes fold out of your arms. <laughs> uh, close to it, actually. Um, uh, Trench brings out, uh, for any of you guys who have played Fallout 4, he's, he's very much like Nick Valentine. He wears the trench coat. He's just he's a Humphrey Bogart of himself. Yeah. He's a bit of a Maltese Falcon. He's got a, <laughs> of he's, sorts. Got, he's got a bunch of filing cabinets about with all the different cases he's worked on. And he, he does have a case file on the Gimgin family murders. Yeah. Or the Eversharp family murders. Gimgin is his first name. After that he's gotta figure out who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> uh tells him all the details that he came up with that murder case. Um then Jumping back to Mira, Mira and Vorn meet up uh, to investigate a series of murders. So one thing that the party... Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So, so the, the group members of this party are kind of just doing their own thing. Vorn is actually a member of the Zentarum. He is taking missions from a group called the Doom Raiders, who are like the bosses of this organization. And the party doesn't know that he's affiliated with criminals. Um, he hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't murdered anybody. And we know he's got sticky fingers. We know that. We know yeah. he's a sticky bandit. <laughs> uh, yes, very much so. Uh, but he he'll he'll just tell you guys like, hey, I got a gig that I'm working on. Uh, it pays well. You guys can get on it too if you want. Uh, you want to join me? And without any other information, you guys so far have just been like, yeah, sure, as long as it's legitimate. And he's like, yeah, it's legitimate in some regards. Too legit to quit. Yeah, so far he's got the best paying gigs out of everybody right now. Um, he's getting paid lots of cash. Um, but um, this contact in the Zentarim uh, told him, they're like, hey, someone's been murdering elves around the city and we want you to investigate it. So far there have been three victims. And he says, are you up for it? And Bourne goes, yeah, I'm up for it. Uh, can my friends join? They're like, yeah, we'll pay them too, but uh, just as long as they stay out of our business. He says, sure. Um, so you and Vorn go for the rest of the day and kind of stake out the docks, which is where these murders have been taking place, usually at dusk or at night. So you guys are just kind of blending into the environment while you are observing passersby. Um, switching back over to Vane and Terry, they go to the House of Inspired Hands to talk to Terry's contact he's an urban bounty hunter so kind of like a criminal he gets a contact that he can meet whenever he wants to either ask for information or some minor help with certain things um and her name is brina she was a friend of his uh, of terry's creator and so that's their main connection um 
Vane, while they're at the temple, decides to advertise their business, which gets them a little bit of clout. And Terry and Brina find a hidden workshop, in, or yeah, a hidden room in Gimgin's old workshop. Gasp! Um, the party investigates it. Uh, and I should also mention that the reason why the party went to Trench earlier, because I kind of just up and left that segment. Uh, the party went there to ask him to investigate who or what was responsible for trying to sabotage their business with the rats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, right. It has been like two months since we played this session. The party... I know I'm jumping all over the place, so please excuse me. But uh, the party was... Everyone wanted to point fingers at this one guy named Emic Froon. Uh, I didn't. I think... Uh, you were the one who insulted him called him Pigpen. I did call him Pigpen. That's because he gave me the stink eye. Which, that is the nickname that everyone has given him. Nobody knows him as Emic or Froon. It's just, hey, Pigpen. Yeah, we call him Pigpen because he's a little gross fella. Uh, um, but yeah, I was the only one that gave him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and so yeah, they uh, Terry and Vane hired... Trench to investigate this uh, person because even though he hasn't done anything openly, there there are some suspicions. But anyway, so um, while Brina, the contact, Terry, and Vane investigate this hidden workshop in the House of Inspired Hands where Gimgin's old workshop is, Vorn and Mira um, follow... Uh, an elderly elven man into an alleyway yeah. and catch the murderer in the act of about uh, there he's a this this drow assassin is about to kill this old elven man in cold blood and Vane and we're sorry Vorn and Mira catch him in the act. We're always gonna mix their names up. Too similar. No more similar names. <laughs> um and uh, they're like okay it's two versus one uh we got, we got this no problem. And the drow is like, you may have me two versus one, but it's actually two versus gun. <laughs> and he pulls out a pistol. And he shoots Mara. Almost kills you. Yeah. I was like, oh no, boomstick, go in me. <laughs> uh, and then, I remember uh, being loopy from blood loss. Yeah, you, you, were, you were poisoned, which I think it's kind of weird that the pistol deals poison damage, but I think that's just to like... I think this... Is it just because it's lead or whatever? I don't know. Either it's the lead or it's like, you know, the infect the chance of infection from an open bullet wound. Oh, that could be it. Uh, it's kind of weird that it does it on impact. I think that should be like a constitution saving throw after some time, maybe, but it's whatever. Um, and then Vorn gives chase uh, on the rooftops. The drow flees the scene, leaving the elven, the elderly elven man behind, and he climbs up the side of the building on scaffolding and makes it the rooftops. That old man was very confused about everything. Yeah, and then so Vorn chases him. Uh, I think he gets shot as well, but not so much as, not, not to the extent that you did. Um, and he just bails. He left me. <laughs> he didn't double back to see if you were okay. He didn't double back to check on the old man to make sure that he was okay after having an attempt on his life. He just said, screw you guys, I'm going home. And he went back to the tavern. He left us. He left us. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, you took the old man to the nearest guard station. Um, and you got your wounds treated by the authorities. They were like, oh my God, get some medical attention. And they took the old man. And then they interviewed you like, what happened? I was loopy from blood loss. Yeah. 
They it was gave very you, funny. It was a very funny uh, interaction. They did heal you though. They they made it so that you know you were still hurt, but you weren't actively dying or loopy. Um, and they confirmed that the the device used to inflict your wound was the same as the one that killed a guard officer the previous week. And uh, they they did all kinds of you know cross references, and they determined that someone is bringing in this new weapon. Which it's so new they don't even know how to call it what to call it, which is a gun, um, and uh, it's they're they're targeting people. It has to do with drows and guns, and it's just uh, it's looking into like this. There's a new gang moving in on the territory. Um, then let me check my notes. The gunman escapes. Yeah, he did escape. Uh, let's see. Save the old man. Uh, talk to the police about a bigger conspiracy. Um, Terry Vane and Brina are continuing to investigate the secret workshop in Gimgin's office, and they find several things. Uh, the first thing they find are three crystals, uh, which are just laying on a uh, an abandoned work desk. Um, and there is uh, some sleeping quarters. There's a cot and a. Um, a living area, if you will, although it's very sparse, nothing of note to collect. And there is a investigation wall. There's like a cork board with all kinds of hand-drawn pictures and documents with string connecting everything. Kind of like that scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that everyone makes memes of. Yeah. Um, and it's all focused in the center of the board on a picture of a cloaked figure with a metallic hand. Um... And so, uh, Terry and uh, Vane collect these crystals that are on the bench, and they take them back over to the tavern, and this is where everyone starts telling each other about their day. Um, Terry and Mira, after doing some checks on these crystals, uh, discover that they are basically uh, giant USB drives. Yeah, (laughs) they couldn't figure it out, and then I was just like hey, what if it's this? And then you were like, uh, roll to see if that works. And it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So like, first yeah. try for me, figured it out. Yeah, you... Uh, In role play and with the dice. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out that uh, these are US, essentially USB drives. They're magical crystals that are able to store and record images and sounds. Um, and they just so happen to fit ever so nicely into the palms of Terry's hands. And he can comprehend the information through a series of checks. And he can also project images through his uh, his eyes. It's, it's rather interesting. Um, and so Terry's just decided that he's going to spend a lot of his downtime trying to decipher all these crystals. And uh, I'll get to those in a minute. Um, then what's next? Vorn, Vorn uh, then speaks with a man uh, by the name of J.B. Nevercott. And he claims to be a representative for an organization known as the Brigand Darth. Uh, he wants Vorn to join their group. He has caught the eye of the leader of their organization. And he claims that they're, they do a lot of wet work for privateers and uh, other clients who don't necessarily want something illegal done, but just want something privately done. And as a... As a test, he gives him his first mission, which is simply to steal a handkerchief from a noble and then drop it off at a discreet location, which he does, no problem. 
Um, Vane, while everyone is kind of talking and investigating stuff, decides that she says, you know, since we last saw our previous employees, they caused us a lot of problems and were actually criminals. So she said, we need new hired hands. So she spends some time hiring new people. I think she hires uh, a half-elf, a human, a dragonborn, and uh, I wrote it down somewhere, but it's not in my notes. Um, four new employees to replace the previous ones. And she determines that they're all good guys. These are legitimate guild members looking for work. And they're like, hey, our background checks are clear. We've got no reason to be suspect. Can we start working like today? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, then Terry decodes the first crystal. And uh, Terry, ba- it's basically just a, a log from Gimgen Eversharp's day-to-day. He is clearly working on Terry as his prototype project, but he keeps getting interrupted by his kids and his family, and it's just a really wholesome moment. Uh, clearly, this is uh, the, the calm before the storm in Terry's background. And what was that youngest kid's name? Uh, Terrence, but his nickname was Terry. T-E-R-R-Y. Ooh! Now, um... So yeah, uh, just to clarify, um, after talking to Trench, uh, it was confirmed that Gimgen had, uh, he was still married uh, at the time of the murder and he had three children, two daughters and one son. Uh, I also wrote down the names of the daughters and the wife somewhere. I still have them, but for the sake of these notes, I'm not going to waste time looking them up. But the yeah, we do son, have three sessions to get to get through today. Um, we got to record all these episodes today. Yeah. And because uh, uh, then I'm going on uh, vacation, and then we can't. <laughs> but but, can't but everyone stuff. everyone seemed to hang on to the the fact that the the one son's name was Terry, and so everyone was like, forget the other people who were murdered. I want to focus on this guy because he clearly shares a connection. This child's um, soul is in our robot's body, probably. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then uh, the way you uh, waved that off makes me think I'm right. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get moving. Uh, so uh, that was the end of that day. So Trench, uh, the following day, brings evidence of Emmett Froon to the tavern. He found a document where he was asking the shard shunners for some hirelings that he could use to infiltrate this rival business of his. And it basically condemned him to, one, interfering with a gang or being involved with a gang, and two, actively trying to sabotage another uh, legal citizens business which that violates so many crimes against citizens it's oof, not good um, after uh, receiving this information from a gentleman by the name of Barnabas Blastwind uh, the party uh, has an explosion go off just outside of the tavern um, Terry and Mira waste no time taking to the streets helping people out of the fiery epicenter and Vane works on trying to put out fires and assisting people who are on fire with being extinguished. Uh, Vorn, true to his character, is scanning the area uh, and he notices that a caped figure flees the scene. Um, As soon as he is done seeing that, he then tries to pickpocket one of the dead corpses. (laughs) Yoink! Uh, Vorn identifies two of the corpses as Zentara members, as he has an in with the crowd, he's familiar with some of their basic symbolism and mannerisms. And um, one 
individual who was a charred gnome um, had five gemstones on his person and residue on his boots that looked like he'd been trapsing about in the sewer for a while. Uh, and that was pretty much the end of that session. Yeah. That was that was the end of that one. It was a fun one. Uh, I, we laughed a lot during that session. It was it was really fun. We mostly were apart doing our own things, but we came back together for a explosive ending, you could say. Absolutely right. But uh, yeah, so we are going to try to wrap this up quickly because once again, we do have to film two more episodes. But uh, if you check out the description on this podcast, you can find links to Patreon to support us. You can follow us on Twitter at B3 Productions. Uh, be the number three productions uh, we'll post pics there but most of the stuff's on Patreon and then also we have like an eBay page where we sell gaming stuff lots of trading cards we have some of our dice cages that are official merch there's still some left if you want to check those out they are metal handcrafted pretty cool uh, you and I each have one they're very fun we love using them mm-hmm. and that's it for now thank you all very very much for your support and we will see you all You guessed it, next time.